When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to episode 109 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, whether you're watching archived on YouTube, listening on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast. However you consume the Tech Sideline podcast, we are so glad that you could join us as we record on Thursday, January 16th at 1.30 p.m., so just into the afternoon. We've got our normal crew today here. We've got our the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes producing on the podcast set. We've got our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. We have our managing editor, Chris Coleman. I am your podcast host, Evan Hughes, and again, we are so glad that you all could join us today on Thursday, January 16th. A lot to discuss today. A lot has been happening at Hokie Nation over the last 48 hours. We will be discussing Justin Fuente deciding to stay in Blacksburg as the head coach of the Virginia Tech Hokies after interviewing and talking with Baylor after Matt Rule left for the Carolina Panthers. As always, we invite you to drop your questions now on Facebook Live so Malcolm can get to those at the end of the show. I think there will be a few. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. By the way, Evan, welcome back. Thank you. So pleased to have you back, and I don't have to host anymore. <laughs> Can I just say it's really nice to be back. I have missed you guys. I have missed the show, and I am I'm thrilled to be back. So yeah, yeah. So Evan was telling us before we uh, before we went live that uh, uh, I guess Christmas break had grown kind of old on you, and you were ready to come back. I, you know, it, it's it's great being home. I know my parents are watching right now, so it was great <laughs> being home. But uh, I'm I am excited to be back. And uh, this went this podcast went from being a a Q and A podcast. I understand yeah, just to a laid a, back Q and A podcast. Qu quite the quite the difference. Yeah, it's going to be very laid back day, and not so much. Not so much, Chris. You uh, you have told us uh, you've had how many hours about, of sleep over the last ten two over days? the last two nights. I was on the phone until three a.m. Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning. Okay, uh, I'm not even sure I would have known what day it was today if I hadn't woken up to a reminder that I had a workout at 7.30 this morning that right. I had to confirm. Uh, but, yeah, it's been pretty hectic. I'm very glad tomorrow's Friday. Yes, yeah, tomorrow is very, Friday. Very, very yep. glad. And then the spring semester for students start on Tuesday here in uh, Blacksburg. So Yeah, so I thought once they announced Ryan Smith as the cornerback's coach, I thought, all right, now we can just kick back and watch some basketball. So, so Will schedules a whole oh, bunch I'm, of appointments I'm, I'm all week. I'm scheduling appointments and meetings and things like that, stuff I've been putting off, and, you know, then this starts. And <laughs> So if, if I – Chris might have to correct me here or there if I take a misstep because I've you know, been doing other stuff all this is going on as well. Well, in all this football news right now, it's kind of putting on the back burner Virginia Tech basketball being in sole possession of fourth place of the uh, ACC. I really wanted to write an article about Tyrese Radford, but I'm not going to have time. <laughs> and embed that video of that dunk in <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> so we, we will say next week we will talk a lot about Hokies basketball, but today's podcast is going yeah. to be uh, – uh, uh, focused on Virginia Tech football and Justin Fuente. Again, this is episode 109 of the Tech Sideline podcast. A reminder that each and every show is brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. 
From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. Whether you're charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people. That's a lot of people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. All right, let's jump right into it. What everyone's talking about on the message boards, on social media, the talk of Hokie Nation, and that is the news that Justin Fuente tweeted out this morning, 8.05 a.m. on his Twitter handle, at Coach Fuente, and that is essentially a picture of him and his staff in a conference room. He is staying in Blacksburg as the Virginia Tech head football coach. Uh, Over the last 48 hours, there had been a lot of speculation that Baylor had made Justin Fuente the top target to replace Matt Rule, who left Baylor for the Carolina Panthers that Meg a deal that the Panthers gave him and again today coach Fuente deciding to stay in Blacksburg Uh, Chris I'll start with you because you're again just 10 hours of sleep over the last two days I know you've been working around the clock what should Hokie Nation make of the last 48 hours and the decision by coach Fuente to stay here in Blacksburg well Chris Chris, you have the floor I have the floor this might take a while um First of all, I want to caution everybody not to think of Baylor in 2003 terms back when they could barely win a game. Yeah. All right, over since 2011, Baylor's finished in the top 15 five times. Virginia Tech hasn't finished in the top 15 once. Baylor has five, ten, or more win seasons in that span. Virginia Tech has two. They had a higher athletic revenue in 2015 than Virginia Tech has in 2020. And they're even, you know, so that they were at 106 million then. And, and Virginia Tech is just now hitting $100 million. Right. Um, they just built a new $266 million football stadium in 2014. Yeah, 2014, so six years ago. This, pa- this past April, they announced plans to build a new $55 million football operations center. Yeah, which that's is, what they call them. That's they call what they football call it. Operations which is a cool, center. which is a really cool name. So Sounds let, like the let, headquarters. Me, let me jump in here and say that uh, a lot of our commentary is going to center around football facilities. Yes. And I'm um, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, we've we've mocked Clemson's facility with its uh, with its mini golf and nap room and the stuff slide. like that. But really, when you talk about football facilities, you are talking about the room to have a staff, the the space in which to have a decent staff and give them room to to operate and function. Right. We're not talking about player amenities here. We're talking about a dedicated facility for the football staff to assemble and get their work done. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, They're in a fertile recruiting state. Um, and as ver- good as the state of Virginia has been to Virginia Tech over the years, I mean, they're an hour and a half from Houston. Virginia Tech's not an hour and a half from anything. Yeah. All right, so more money, more resources, new stadium, about to build a new football facility that would blow Virginia Tech's current facility out of the water. Um, the offer of a raise is what we understand. Very substantial raise. More money for assistance. More money for a bigger support staff. Uh, he had one heck of an offer on the table, from what we understood. It a very it a situation that he considers, right now at least, to be more conducive to winning at Virginia Tech. I mean, Baylor. You could make a strong argument that Baylor's a better program than Virginia Tech. They've won more games since 2011, more top 15 finishes, um, better resources, more money, a Heisman Trophy winner. 
or this is not Baylor versus Virginia Tech in 2005. This is Baylor versus Virginia Tech in 2020. The programs are different. Right. So a buddy of mine texted me last night, and and he he lives down in Atlanta. He's a hooky. He lives down in Atlanta, and he asked me something about why, why would why would Fuente go to Baylor? And I said, well, Baylor's a better program. And I listed, uh, boy, that's going to anger a lot of people. I listed a lot of things Chris just listed. And my friend basically said, they're not a better program. And I said, did you read my last text? Right. Uh, now, he, now, give me your reasons why you don't think they're a better program based on counter my counter, right? Yeah. So, yeah. His, so his, his reasoning was that um, he, said, he said, I live down in SEC country and everybody I talk to thinks Virginia Tech's a better program. Uh, uh, love, well, love, love my friend, but that's not a reason to say that Baylor's a better program. And, and th- those are those are people who just don't pay that close of attention. He, I, he, he does. He's actually a pretty savvy college sports observer, so that's why. Well, I mean, your average person in SEC pro. In yeah, SEC I, I, was, I was just very intrigued that he, even after I listed out those facts that he insisted that Virginia Tech is, quote, a better program, unquote. Maybe that's unfortunate phrasing. What we're really talking about here is the level of support right. that Fuente would have gotten had right. he gone to Baylor. So. I still think Virginia Tech has the potential to be a better program than Baylor. And you can make an argument that they are because they're in the Coastal Division. You know, it's not that the Big 12 is a tough league right now, but if Texas started operating at maximum efficiency, then the Baylor job. Kind of like Clemson is. <laughs> kind of like Clemson finally started doing. Right. Right. Um, so, at any rate, you can argue back and forth of whether it's a better job or not. But the fact is, it's a good enough job where it turned Fuente's head. Yeah. So... Over the last 20 years, Baylor has elevated itself, and Virginia Tech has stood pat. And by standing pat, you do that. You You go down. You fall behind. So Virginia Tech, at the turn of the century, was third in the country in assistant coaching staff salaries. Yeah, so let's let's clarify that a little bit. When when Frank flirted with uh, UNC and almost went to UNC, Frank wound up getting – and this was all he got, basically. It, it, it's so funny to think about that dalliance with UNC 20 years later. It was an argument over $100,000 of salary, <laughs> which is which is a pittance these days. Yeah. So uh, Frank wound up getting raises for his uh, salary in it. And I went and looked this up just the other day, and that made his assistant coaching staff, it brought him up to close to a million dollars as a group, <laughs> all nine of them. Yeah. And uh, that made Virginia Tech the third third highest paid assistant coach staff in the country behind Texas and NC State. Mm-hmm. And that was the Chuck Amato era, right. I believe, where they had pumped a bunch of money into their assistant. And, yeah, they third were, in the they recruited really well in that era, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so third in the country. They had the best football facility in the country probably at the time because the Merriman Center was brand new. Mm-hmm. So if people like to think of Virginia Tech under Frank Beamer doing more with less – when Tech won the ACC in 2004, they did more with more. Yeah. That was one of the strongest programs in the country from a money standpoint and an infrastructure standpoint and a facility standpoint. And since then, it's uh, they built the Beamer Barn, but other than that... Which took forever. Which took forever. The, the, the scrap over stadium was. Right, exactly. So they, they've just steadily fallen fallen behind and, and they're now in the 30s somewhere i think or upper 20s in assistant coach salaries their newest football facility besides the beamer barn is 22 years old in the merriman center yeah. the offices for the coaches are in the jamerson center which was built in 1982 before i was born yeah. it was built for a staff uh, of 1982 proportion staffs are double that size these days i mean so there's just not if Fuente wanted, well, of course he wants to, but 
Tech really right now, I don't think they could make the decision to expand their support staff and recruiting staff because there's just not enough office yeah, space over there. There's literally nowhere to right. put them. So you talk about the uh, right now they're building the Student Athlete Performance Center, which is, you know, where they're going to feed all the athletes. And they're also working on a $5 million renovation to Merriman, which is centered around the weight room and meeting rooms. Except that was supposed to start last year, and I don't think it started yet. And, and I, yeah, well, I think it has actually started, and this is terrible. I need to go down there with a camera and take some pictures and put them up, uh, put them up on social media and up on the website. Um, but, the, you know, the Merriman Center, and Chris and I talked about this yesterday, the Merriman Center doesn't include offices uh, for for coaches or support staff, mm -hmm. it is strictly weightlifting and and meeting rooms, right? And then a display hall. So this renovation of the Merriman Center isn't going to get Fuente and his staff any more room. It's going no. to improve the weightlifting facilities and bring them up to par. Uh, but it's not it's not really going to help with this the space issue. No, it doesn't help with that at all. Um, so we mentioned all that just to, to explain why. His interest was piqued by Baylor. So to put uh, that in a nutshell real quick, you're saying that the main interest in Baylor was the facilities the and the resources better. compared to Baylor and Virginia Tech. That was yeah. the main focal yeah, point? Yeah, I, th I would definitely say that's And, and you got to figure the in-state recruiting base would also help. Now, that a that, uh, lot of schools come into Texas, but there's a lot of recruits there, too. That's where Oklahoma recruits. Nebraska probably does some recruiting there. Of course, all the Texas schools, Texas A&M, yeah. Texas, Texas plus, Tech. Plus his parents live in Oklahoma his grandparents I know his grandfather's still alive he lives in Oklahoma their kids are at the age where they probably like them to be around their grandparents or something yeah. like that so there was a lot of it was a very attractive option for him and this goes back to what you just said about you know, people in the SEC country thinking Virginia Tech has all the advantages over Baylor one of the things we've heard is that when Fuente took the job he had a different perception than took the Virginia Tech job yeah, when he took the Virginia Tech job, what did I say? You just said took the job. I oh, oh well, yeah, when he took the Virginia Tech job, he found out within the next few years that he was wrong on some of his perceptions. I think there's an outside perception of Virginia Tech, even amongst our own fan base, that Tech is in a good financial position, that they can just spend whatever they want on whatever. That the that, facilities that are the facilities notch. are up to par. Everything like that. I think there's this fantasy that recruits should want to come to Virginia Tech because we do cool things like jump to enter Sandman. Well, Inner Sandman, for, or, there are six home football games a year at Virginia Tech. Those players, those recruits, they, they're only going to be playing six days out of three. That, that's 30 minutes to an hour of a year right. where they get to see uh, Inner Sandman. Sandman. And, then, and, and about 20 to 24 hours of actually playing football in nah, Lane Stadium. Nah. What they do on a day-to-day -day basis in the other facilities is much more important to them than what they do six times a year right so uh it, it's you you can't just live on cheap thrills like inner sandman man. there has <laughs> to be substance behind the style and right now there's not as much substance as, as there is at other schools and when it comes down to it I, i'm glad justin fuente did this um we've we've been writing this for a couple of years now uh but we needed somebody like justin we need a Justin Fuente to do something like that. Uh, I wrote an article and posted a little while ago yep. called A Shot Across the Bow. The administration needed a shot fired across its bow. The fan base needed a shot fired across its bow. That things have to change and, unless you want to be doomed to a destiny of mediocrity, mediocrity. in football. Yeah. You have to invest 
in your heavily in your infrastructure, in a new football building, in your support staff and things like that. You look around the country and the teams that are having success are doing exactly that. Even Northwestern just built a brand new $260 million facility with a right on the beach on Lake Michigan. Yeah. So they've got a beach resort. Google it, man. It's Google pretty amazing. You put in your article. There's a video. I, I mean, if you look at the videos, they've even got lifeguards. Really? Um, I mean, it's a concept video, but wow. they do show lifeguard <laughs> stands. Okay? Right? Yeah, that's uh, nuts. Right. And I'm sorry. As nice as Blacksburg is, recruits aren't going to come to Blacksburg because you can go to the New River for four months out of the year. Right? Yeah. The things again, like that. That, that, that. that article just went up on TechSideline.com. I'm going to shot across the bow. It's a really, really great read. And Chris went in-depth, and you can tell the work that you both put into that article. Uh, also just tweeted out. Uh, one thing I want to do, I want to kind of dive into the what we're doing, the deep conversations about this, but I want to kind of recap just what's happened in the last 48 hours. So, again, this kind of came to fruition on Tuesday night with Pete Thamel of, of Yahoo Sports reporting that Justin Fuente was a strong candidate for yeah. Baylor. Um, what has really happened to the best of your knowledge over the last 24 hours, and why did Justin Fuente end up wanting to stay so at I'll, Virginia I'll, Tech? I'll take that one. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was sitting there Tuesday night. I don't remember what I was doing. Oh, Tech was getting ready to play a basketball game. <laughs> yeah. And it was probably about 7.30, and uh, a friend of mine who's a, who's a good source on our message boards, he, he's always dishing a lot of inside info, he texted me and he said, so how about this uh, Fuente to Baylor stuff? And I hadn't been on Twitter, um, and so I just laughed it off. And then 10, 10 minutes later, I got a, uh, a, a text message from an even better source, someone very well placed at Virginia Tech, who texted simply, Will, he's gone. And I thought, uh, am I missing something? So I texted him back and said, Fuente? Baylor? You know, and I, I better go over and look at Twitter. And Pete Thamel had, had tweeted out that uh, um, Fuente was going to interview with Baylor in the next 24 hours, in other words, on Wednesday. Um, so I, I want to I tread carefully here. Uh, I don't want to give away too much and compromise my source or whatever. But... Uh, there had been uh, there had been some back channel stuff coming into the Virginia Tech Athletic Administration for several days that there was something going on with Fuente and Baylor, but my understanding is, and what I was told, is that Fuente hadn't said anything about it, and that he informed Wit uh, Tuesday that he was going to talk to Baylor, going to interview with Baylor, I believe, is what he told Wit. Um, so this uh, piecing those things together, the people at Virginia Tech felt like conversations had been going on between Fuente and Baylor for days, and they may be correct. Or, or Fuente's agent, Jimmy Sexton, the, the famous Jimmy Sexton. Is that his agent? It yeah, is. Yeah. I was learned that Beamer's through this agent? process. That yeah, was Beamer's agent. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Jimmy was Beamer's agent. Uh, <clears throat> so... Uh, they were they were very worried that it was essentially a done deal because of the lack of of and and again this is i want to be careful to point out that when sources tell you things um a lot of the times they're telling you the 100 percent truth but sometimes they are telling you things for you to tell other people and kind of guide perception and things like that so here i am i'm going on what sources told me 
and maybe there are people out there that know more and they're like that's not the way it happened this is what i was told okay so when they combined their their feeling that conversations had been going on for days with the abruptness of fuente telling wit i'm going to go interview with baylor um they felt like it was a done deal and that this interview was really going to be him going to accept the job now what i haven't been able to get clear is um we th- we think that he talked to Baylor on Wednesday. I don't know if it was in Waco or somewhere else. Or one, some of the, one of the things that made this difficult was all of the people following this and reporting on this. And tell me if either of you guys disagree with this. It was all tech people. I tried to find Baylor, Baylor sources people. and beat writers and things, and they weren't saying zip about it. They were just giving it the generic yeah, Fuente's a candidate. I'm like, come on, guys. Is he there in Waco? Is he talking to the administration? I don't think anybody really knows. Well, I, I know nobody from Virginia the Tech sort, knows. Right. Baylor people had no depth to the... Apparently people the, in Waco don't give a crap, yeah. you know, about finding out those sorts of details and, and passing them on. So I'm not really sure what happened on Wednesday. I did. I have to apologize because I erroneously said on the radio yesterday that Fuente and his wife were in Waco. Uh, I don't know where I picked that up from, you know, but it was wrong. Yeah, so I, I take that back. I apologize for that. I do not want to own that. Um, so uh, then whatever happened Wednesday happened. And um, I want to go back to Tuesday night when the people that were talking to me thought thought it was a done deal, thought he was going. But the, the information that I got Wednesday night, I, I let things go on Wednesday. I didn't pester people. And then Wednesday night, I hit somebody up and I said, so, you know, give me a little data dump. And uh, <clears throat> Fuente and Wit, I was told, spoke uh, for, for some time Wednesday and that Wit felt he, that he was cautiously optimistic that Fuente was going to stay. Um, and, of course, that turned out to be what happened. So Chris, has t- Chris and I have talked about the support you get at Baylor um, that, that was – uh, essentially offered to him. Baylor's never going to say that they offered Fuente the job. I think it was one of those conversations where they're like, if you were coach here, here's what we'd do for you, so let us know if you want to be coach here. It's like the SEC is not going to offer you admittance unless I know you're going to accept. Right? Yeah. yeah, so uh, so let's see. I, I think what it boils down to is clearly if you go there, there's a lot of support at that program, but Fuente um, – was was and this this is more my spin on it he didn't and i was also told this he doesn't really want to leave particularly this 2020 virginia tech team that he has spent a lot of he spent four years and a lot of blood sweat and tears getting this program to build up to where it is now i'm not saying we're going to the college football playoff next year i'm just saying the next year should be peak fuente peak virginia tech um, so he's, he's got that after he did all this work. He just assembled a coaching staff, some of which would be portable to Baylor with him, some of which wouldn't. Some guys who are hanging out on a ledge there, Fuente goes to Baylor's. So he felt all these things. And, and this is more my own interpretation. I think Justin Fuente wants to win in Blacksburg. He could win other places, but I think he wants to win in Blacksburg. And I think bringing it back around to Chris's point that in order to do that, in order to fully realize his vision of the program and have the best chance to win here, which is where he wants to win, he needs more support. And support is a large word that encompasses a lot of things. So that is my take based on what I was told 
of the things that unfolded over the over the most recent 48 hours. I don't know if Chris has anything additional to add to that or not. Interviewing that for that job was a win-win situation for him. Either accept it and get a huge raise and move closer to home, or you don't accept it, but you f- like you fire a shot across the bow of your administration, yeah. especially when when you go back to wit and you say, "Okay, I just came from talking to their administration, and here's what they've offered me. We're not even talking personal salary. We're talking here's a number of staff members. Here's how much money you have to hire assistant coaches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Go look at what Rutgers did last month when they yeah. hired Greg Shiano. Yeah, listen to this. All right, all right. Shiano is only making four million dollars, which for a coach with his pedigree. You got they got him on the cheap, and that's what Fuente makes four million. Yeah, or he'll be up to four point two five this right. year. But uh, the big sticking points: the only reason, the only way Shiano would take that job is if they gave him a private plane for or recruiting. private air transport for recruiting, seven point seven million dollars for his assistant coaches and support staff. Virginia Tech's assistant coaches this past year made about three point seven million. I don't know what the support staff made, but it was not four million dollars the difference there so yeah. Rutgers is about to massively upgrade their staff he made them promise to build a, an indoor practice facility which Virginia Tech already has and a stop me if you've heard this before a football well, operations, operations center. center right and those two projects combined would be like 150 million, 120 right? or 150 a large number yeah right the, so the going rate that's what it costs right. to build an indoor facility and a football ops center. so what Rutgers Rutgers a historically awful program doormat of the big 10 just decided to, to dedicate to football i mean when fuente reads that article or when he read that article in december he had to have been like wow i'm coaching at virginia tech a place that has won multiple acc championships and played for a national championship once and, and I, I i'm paying my staff half of what rutgers is is going to be paying their staff yeah. without air transportation for recruiting and then to top it all off the day before signing day um, Tyreen Powell was a Virginia Tech commit from Rutgers, from New, Jersey. from New Jersey. The day before signing day, Shiano gets in his helicopter, or gets, gets somebody to fly him in a helicopter, lands it at Powell's school. So you're a 17-year-old kid, and I think this is silly, but I'm not 17. So a coach, a multi-million dollar coach, is flying a helicopter to your school and landing it in your front yard of your school to see you. And he decommitted and the next day signed with Rutgers. And Fuente is like, you know, even if I wanted to fly up there on a private jet or a private helicopter, I don't even have the I option, yeah. right? So there's just so much stuff now that other schools are doing that Virginia Tech is not doing. And I, I think that's, like I said, it was a win-win situation for him. Either he takes a job and gets a big raise or he doesn't, and it fires a shot across Virginia Tech's bow. Now he can come back to Whit Babcock and look him in the eye and say, listen, if, if I don't get not all of this stuff, but some of this stuff, somebody else is going to give it to me. They're, they're, they're going to give me if more. Not to- now, eventually. <laughs> that, right. They're going to give me more tools to work with and pay me more money to use those tools. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's not entirely win-win because what he has cost himself is some goodwill with portions of the fan base. Um, yep. So, so I, w- I will say this, regardless of where you stand on Justin Fuente, whether you think he's 100% the right guy for the job or a com- complete flaming bust since the get-go, um, you you have to accept the truth of what just happened. If, if our information is correct, and I have no reason to believe it isn't, 
It comes from very good sources. He was offered a ton to go somewhere else, and he chose to stay here, and that's got to count for something. Right. Um, let's do this. Let's dive into that part, because you said that the shot across the bow for a lot of different people, and that includes the fan base. I want to talk about the fan base. We'll take a time out here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back, we talk about that, plus we get to your questions live on Facebook. This is the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back aboard the Tech Sideline Podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes taking your questions live on Facebook. We'll get to those in just a little bit on the podcast set. Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, and I'm Evan Hughes. Again, just up on TechSideline.com right now as we record on January 16th at uh, 2 o'clock p.m. Chris Coleman has an article, A Shot Across the Bow. It's a really great read. I was just reading it before the podcast went live, and I invite all of you to read it. And you were saying a little bit earlier, and Will, we just started to touch on it before this break, that a shot across the bow can mean for a lot of different people, whether that's the uh, administration, and that also can mean the fan base. And you touch on the fans in your article. So I want to start with that and kind of giving a, a sneak peek to what you wrote. What does this all mean to the fans? I, I think it for anybody who opens their ears and does the research on facilities and money and things like that uh, this it really hits home sometimes people need to be taught a lesson but they need evidence to come in with that lesson to show that you know it's valid and and this is that evidence um that we have a football coach that was almost willing to leave for baylor because baylor has passed virginia tech in support so i i I, I, I think I hope for some portions of the fan base it makes them realize that you can't just sit back passively and expect things to happen. Yeah. Um, now this is partly on the administration. Uh, this goes hand in hand. Right, the administration needs to do a better job, and I mean the athletic department and the Hokie Club, they need to do a better job of painting this picture for the fan base of exactly what type of financial support it takes to succeed. So love. Can, I, can I jump in yeah, here? Yeah, yeah so, so one of the things we've been harping on, and, and it's mostly been in message board discussions, but I did say, I think, something about this on Twitter the other day. Um, I, I agree with Chris that I think that the, the powers that be at Virginia Tech, one thing that they have failed to do is to uh, present a compelling vision for uh, where they want to go. I mean, everybody knows you want to win, but, you know, uh, and, and I, I know this aggravates people when I do this, but if, if you Google Virginia Athletics Master Plan, you would be taken to a website that's very simple about what UV Athletics is trying to accomplish under uh, Athletic Director Carla Williams. It's got... Uh, like some sort of overview of their existing football and basketball facilities, and they show buildings disappearing and new buildings coming up. They tell you what it's going to cost. They lay out if you give this much, you'll be this level donor. We need this money. This we need this much money. It's it's uh it's kind of exciting to look at, you know. And um, I know that the administration at the Hokie Club in Virginia Tech doesn't agree with what I'm about to say. But we also talk about this stuff on the message board. The message from the Hokie, everybody criticizes the Hokie Club for saying, give us money and we'll give you better parking and tickets. 
I think it goes beyond that to where uh, when they talk about the Hokie Scholarship Fund and donating to pay for the athletes' scholarships, they have the athletes come on and say, thank you, without my scholarship, I wouldn't be able to do this, wouldn't be able to do that. That message does not resonate with a large, large portion of the fan base. I think a, a large portion of the fan base is like, yeah, whatever, those kids are getting their scholarships no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you really want to get fans behind you and get them committed and let's call committed what it is, donating the, the, the needed amounts, that you kind of need to let them know what's in it for them. First of all, everybody likes shiny buildings. It's just a fact. When you build a $50 million football building, everybody goes, wow, mm. look at that. That's cool. Yep. But I think what you also need to pitch to them is <clears throat> if, you, if, you, if you get behind this, um, you don't want to guarantee championships, you know, but you want to say donating and getting behind the program leads to more wins, which is more fun for you. There's clearly a, a much slicker way to say that. But what's in it for the fans? I think that's what, what some fans want want when it comes to donating. Why, why should I donate, you know? Um, so that's a, that's a message and a vision that I think they've failed to get across. Um, and and I, another thing I want to point out here, and I was thinking about this this morning, yeah, that, that's critical coming from me, but uh, one of the things I like to do is I like to look at the – I like to look at the Virginia Tech, the, the business of Virginia Tech athletics and the business of Virginia Tech football and, and evaluate it and be critical about it and then turn it on myself and say, well, what are you doing in your business every day that you could be doing better? And so um, this is not me just sitting up on my high horse and wagging my finger and saying, you're doing this wrong. I also think in running Tech Sideline that I've been guilty of not presenting to our our readers subscribers visitors listeners some sort of vision something that's compelling you know we jacked up our subscription price from sixty dollars a year to eighty five dollars a year i didn't say boo i just said hey your price is going up (laughs) that's not good you need to present some sort of vision to get people behind you and get them to buy in and get them excited so when i say tech's not doing that it's because i failed to do it too little personal note there <laughs> we're always striving to get better here at Texas. <laughs> yeah. hashtag get better hashtag get <laughs> better. Where's Williams at? <laughs> <laughs> again we're uh, we're off and running Sorry, here I, I totally interrupted chris and took it to i don't even know what the question was uh, no again off and oh, the administration and yeah. the, uh, it was about the fan base so yeah. it has to be a group effort so actually real quick before you answer i want to read a, a, a snippet from your article okay mm-hmm. quote it's not 2003 anymore, and I think some fans still believe it is. It has to be a group effort, starting with the administration, and then the fans have to buy in. If either of those thing, two things fall apart, then we'll be doomed to eternal mediocrity, dot, 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 or worse, close quote. Yeah. Um, so the administration has to present the vision and why Virginia Tech needs money. Why Quant- people quantify. need to donate. Put, num- put numbers right, on it. exactly. And then the fan base has to accept that. And, and go and, all in. And that will cause some fans, and, and we see this kind of discussion on our message board all the time, well, if that's what it takes, I'm out. Yeah, you know, people are like, oh, they just want more and more money. Well, of course they want more money. They want to win. Do you want to win as a fan? It, right. If you want to win. If, I mean, if, if right. If, that's the thing, man. I mean, I'm not afraid to scare people. Sometimes people need to be scared. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to get stomped long term, then donations need to need to rack it up. Because yeah. everybody's passing Virginia Tech by in facilities and things like that. If you want to make the decision as a fan, then I'm washing my hands. I'm not supporting that. 
okay, then completely disengage. Right. Don't you, criticize. You, you can't come back and, and expect Virginia Tech to achieve what they were doing 15 years ago with these resources. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, you, if you want them to win and you care, then come on board and be a part of the effort. If you don't, then don't be a jerk on Twitter or our message <laughs> right. boards or whatever because you've made this. And, and I learned this lesson in 1992, okay? So Virginia <laughs> Tech, uh, let's see, Virginia Tech uh, wins a football game, then they lose late to uh, East Carolina. Typical, you know, East Carolina goes rushing down the field, scores a touchdown. That was when the two programs were dead even, basically. So I sit down and I write a letter. I probably typed it or hand wrote it to Dave Brain. I said, Dave, you got to get rid of that Frank Beamer guy. Dave Dave Brain was Tech's athletic director, by the way. Sorry, sorry for those (laughs) who haven't been around that long. The the athletic director at the time was Dave Brain. I sent Dave a letter. I said, Dave, you got to get rid of that Frank Beamer guy. He's a good coach, but he clearly doesn't have what it takes. Two and eight and one that year. And right. that's what it wound up being, but it wasn't. At that point, it was only one and one. And Dave sent me back a really nicely worded letter that basically said, uh, I see you don't donate to the Hokie Club, which I did not at the time. I'm not even really sure I knew that was a thing. Dave said, you know, um, I agree with you. We need to be better. But in order to, need, in, in, in order to be better, we need the support of many of our fans as possible. And I joined the Hokie Club the next year. I will never forget Dave sending me that letter saying, essentially, well, I see you're not doing your part. <laughs> you know, right. And I've met Dave since then and told him that story. And he goes, I said that, huh? Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> again, we're, we're breaking down the news. Justin Fuente, again, staying here in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech as the head football coach. It's been a busy week for Chris and Will and everyone here at Tech Sideline breaking it down on the podcast. We're going to get to your questions shortly. I'm going to kind of end the discussion before we get to the questions with this news that came out in the 48-hour span of when uh, the Baylor news popped up. And that is that uh, special assistant to the head coach Jerry Kill is leaving the Virginia Tech football program yeah. uh, to return to TCU or to go to TCU excuse me but to uh, reunite with uh, coach Patterson someone that he is really close with uh, so Chris I'll start with this you know a lot of fans this was a common question we had throughout the season now, how much credit does Jerry Kill get um, for the success of the program this season what <laughs> well, kind of loss is that for the, this tech the, program the, the, the timing of it certainly makes you wonder right well it it, it was it was uh, someone told me that it is it is analogous to the smoke signal going up from the uh, when they're trying to pick a pope when the Catholics <laughs> are trying to pick right. a pope. That's how they looked at kill leaving. I just think that's more evidence that Fuente's gone. Eh, it turns t- out it not. Turned out not so much. The fact of the matter is, you know, he and Gary Patterson were in each other's weddings. I think he was his best man, I believe. So they're like best friends. Your best friend offers you a job probably for more money than you're currently making, and you take it. And, right. and TCU a is a program set. that needs some help, too. They're not, not what they used to They're be. They're not what they used to be. They've Three of the last four years, they've only won six or seven games. Yeah. They had a loser, or maybe even five this year. I think they only went five and seven this wow. year and didn't make a bowl. So that's not the program that it used to be. Um, uh, Patterson's lost some of his best assistants through the years, Justin Fuente. They just haven't, yeah. haven't had the success uh, that they used to have. Uh, but as far as a loss for Virginia Tech, it's so hard to say because we, I know what he did from a certain ex- to a certain extent. Like he helped evaluate players, evaluate coaches. He vetted defensive coordinator candidates. He had feedback on the running game. Yeah, what, yeah, right, and that certainly helped. Um, so he taught some lessons when he was here. If those lessons are remembered, then it won't be a loss. Yeah. 
Um, sometimes, sometimes having a certain perspective can forever change your perspective. Correct. You don't constantly need that input. You right. just, you just need some. Phil Omashin, right? Yeah, yeah, Phil Fra Omashin. Frank Beamer didn't need Phil Omashin for the rest of his career. He just needed him for two years. Uh, Frank's That's Frank's a, book says the most important hire he ever made. Right? Yeah. He was talking about Omashin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they were able to hire him because you joined the Hokie Club. There you go. I provided the funds to hire <laughs> Phil O'Massey. Turn the program I, I around. I bet he was only making about 70 or 75 grand a year. That's what coordinators made back then. And then announced on Tuesday, this was uh, announced just before the, the Pete Thamel tweet from Yahoo Sports. Tyrese Radford is awesome. That was announced Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there was a basketball Olivier, game. Olivier Zarr found out about that. He did. Uh, Ryan Smith uh, is the uh, the final piece to the puzzle for this Virginia Tech coaching staff. Coming over at JMU as the cornerbacks coach, uh, any thoughts that hire? Yeah, uh, every, every pretty much every name you hear, every serious name you hear that's related to the – search for Tech's cornerbacks coach had in-state ties uh, for recruiting purposes. They, they were from Virginia. They played in Virginia. Uh, they played at a Virginia college. They've coached at a Virginia college. Um, with the exception of Pearson Prelo, who I don't think was actually a serious candidate in, yeah. in hindsight. I don't think he was. Um, but it's clear to me that Fuente wanted to use the cornerback position as a spot to hire a guy with in-state recruiting ties because he wants to uh, improve in-state. And, and where did Ryan Smith? What's his background again? Can you fill it in for us? He's from. Uh, uh, he went to Blue Ridge School, um, which is where? Uh, where in the state is that? Uh, I think he's from like around Fredericksburg, Charlottesville, Richmond, okay. that part of the state. I expect he'll recruit Richmond. This thing got announced. He his hiring got announced, and then like two hours later, the Justin Fuente stuff started. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to, to do as much research okay. on Ryan Smith. Yeah. I originally had written down on my uh, planner to do a column on him yesterday. Yeah. Obviously, that wasn't able to happen. So everything's gotten put on the back burner because this Justin Fuente news. But we'll have more on Ryan Smith next week for sure. But uh, the hire is about – obviously, you want your guy to be able to coach and things like that. But it seems to me that there, there are certain spots on the staff that they prioritize coaching and certain spots on the staff – where they As prioritize recruiting, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think he, I think he did a good, not knowing exactly the budget that he had from the athletic department to put together a staff. I, I, I feel like he did a good job. He addressed the right needs. Yeah. And, and and I think everything fits together a little better now than it did before, in my opinion. He uh, a 2014 graduate of the College of William and Mary. I got the tribe to a 2009 FCS uh, semifinal appearance as a player. Uh, worked two seasons at Penn State, serving as a defensive graduate assistant, uh, where he was a part of the 2016 squad that won the Big Ten championship. Uh, spent the 17-18 seasons coaching the secondary at Elon before moving to James Madison. And Elon was—I uh, I, I don't know this for a fact—but their Elon coach got hired to go to JMU. That's correct. And I'm assuming he probably took him with him to JMU. Is that Kurt Signetti? Yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Name was escaping. Yep. Yeah. Kurt Signetti. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's got some in-state background, and he's seen a big-time program up close for a couple of years. So that's that's good. All right. Let's turn it over to the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. Malcolm, what's <coughs> going on, my friend? I'm sure we have some uh, questions to get to. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's start with Eric Fisher. He asks, should we just bulldozer Merriman and build it from scratch? <laughs> well, uh, you can't bulldoze it because you got to put all that stuff somewhere. I've actually uh, – uh, I was talking to a former tech player last night, and he said when they were building the Merriman Center and doing a bunch of renov renovations over there, 
like some days like tech was like lifting weights outside yeah i didn't have the space i believe that yeah uh but but to answer the question directly no um actually uh um so what, what was the end part of the question malcolm uh just start from scratch um, no, I would start from scratch with a, you know, and, and I have all the money in the world. Okay, money's not an object. I would start from scratch with a new football ops facility, which would include a weight room, of course. So the football players now go there to lift. And I would turn Merriman. They're, they're doing a, putting a lot of money into it right now. Merriman would, would be, for me, an Olympic uh, yeah. sports yeah, uh, yeah, weightlifting yeah. That's facility. what Baylor's doing with their current building. <laughs> Once they build their $55 million football-only facility – all that football, all the old football space is going to go to Olympic sports and things yeah. like that. So ideally, you know, it's an investment that theoretically not only makes you better at football, but it helps you in the other sports as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you walk through trickle down. I, I walk through the Jamerson Center, man, for before basketball games when I cover basketball games, and you know, like all those lacrosse and baseball offices, and I don't know, about, I don't know if baseball moved over near the stadium or what, but. All, all those Olympic sports, like their offices in there, are they're were, down were, were the built. They're down the bowels. They were built in 1982. Yeah, right. And, and the weight room that they that they all lift in it's it's downstairs. Is right. the old football weight from room from way back in the day before Merriman was mm-hmm. built. So see, so yeah, the, like I said, there's a trickle down effect. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you build a football facility, it benefit benefits all programs. And I would just. Man, I don't know. I, no, the I, question is, where do you build the football facility? Because the advantage of Virginia Tech's athletic facilities being packed into a tight space is an athlete is close to everything. Yeah. Like, are the Merriman Center's right here. He wants to go to academic support in Lane Stadium. It's right next Student door. Athlete Performance Center. You, you know, you, you don't have to ride a bus across campus like you do at some schools that's yeah. all spread out. The problem is you run out of building space. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I've actually looked at satellite views of, of – uh, Clemson, where they put their football operations facility, they had a lot of room to yeah, work with. Yeah. I've seen South – I have a son that goes to South Carolina. I went to their spring game this past year. I saw their facility and where they put it. There was plenty of room over there, you know, and Virginia Tech doesn't really have that. So mm-hmm. I would put it uh, – and I don't want to get too far into talking about this. I want to answer more questions. But I'd put it right across the street, right across Beamer Way from Lane Stadium. I'd, I'd – plunk me a 50 million dollar building down there and i'd put a cool bridge going from lane stadium well, just like torgerson bridge over, just like torgerson bridge over to that facility and everybody immediately says well what happens to that lacrosse practice field or whatever the heck it is i i know this you know when virginia virginia tech right now i think is 17th in the director's cup standings for overall sports and in 1999 virginia tech was in the 90s in director's yeah. cup standings and tell me when the fan base was happier yep um You'll, you'll figure out the whole athletic turf, the whole artificial turf practice field thing. Just I, I think you need to prioritize here, and that, yeah. that, that's been my thing. And so let's go move on to the next question. <clears throat> uh, Blake Branzell asks, what's your thought of the fans that are mad at Fuente even listening to another school? I would tell those people that if you had a job offer that gave you a 50% raise at a place where they were going to give you more toys to play with, uh, and you were closer to home, uh, to your family, I think most human beings would at the very least listen to that offer. Yeah, and, and I've, I've seen some criticism of him for uh, he, has, he has talked about recruiting and, 
And I think at some point, uh, Chris. Oh, the commit, the being committed thing. Yeah. That's taken totally out of context. I watched that video the other day, and they were. Ah, ba- go for it. Uh, well, the, and I remember I was there that day when he was talking about it, and the question was like continuing to recruit players after they're committed, and 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 guys taking visits at, after after they're committed, and the quote's taken out of context. He said. If you're still taking, vi- if you take visits, you're you're not committed, and what and what he means is, we know when guys are taking visits, we have to continue to recruit them. We can't just quit recruiting them, right? So that that quote is in taken other enti- words, we are not going to treat you as if you're committed, and we we're, no longer need to recruit you. Right, exactly. You clearly, aren't we're, we're not going to be complacent in your recruitment. That's what it was about. Well, that, dude, you need to go tell Twitter that. I know. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell Twitter anything. So it's uh, um, it, it's 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 big time, man. Get over it. You yeah, know, I mean, uh, yeah, it's big time sports. I mean, you just, I mean, Fr- Frank Beamer 2.0 isn't walking through that door. And, well, even, and Frank looked around. Frank almost took Frank in his book said he accepted the UNC job. Yes. Yeah, so and then he, changed his mind. I remember early in his career when when tech started to get some traction. He flirted with Boston College. He flirted with Alabama and mm-hmm. he, and then he flirted with UNC. And, uh, yeah. Uh, UNC, yeah. He, uh, UNC he took, got the he took a visit to Boston College. Too. I didn't know. Uh, that. Yeah, 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 after like the '93 season or something, '94 yeah. season. This uh, is how it works, folks. And, and you know, people leave jobs all the time. I mean, Scott Hughes was a Hokie Club employee who played football at Virginia Tech. He left last year for Penn State. He left his alma mater where he played football at to go to Penn State, probably because Penn State paid him a lot more money. That's just how people are. Well, and there's a blue million people that went to Penn State. All you got to do is say, "Hey, give us more money." And they and, go, and "Okay, sure." How much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, next anyway. question. Aaron Martin asked, uh, does this, this being the Fuente situation, jumpstart new facilities for football? Well, I hope so. Um, To me, uh, Justin Fuente is just a character here and a bigger overall play. This is about Virginia Tech's long-term survival as as a good football school long-term. Maybe Justin Fuente is here for that long-term. Maybe he's not. But I know if he if he does leave after next year, however his ten, tenure ends, it's going to be harder to find a coach as good as him to replace him if our f- facilities continue to stagnate. Yeah. So th- this is about long term. It's not necessarily it's not about Justin Fuente, uh, in my opinion, and, and and it needs to happen for the long term health of the program. My thought is it better better spur things forward. It should. I mean, I don't think we have much. Tech has much of a choice here. Um, I don't know how his tenure is going to turn out, but if it does spur some kind of movement on that front that makes this a better program and a stronger program, we could be looking back 10 years from now saying, thank God Justin Fuente made this an issue. Made this an issue. You know, no matter how his tenure turns out, he might have made one of the most important decisions in this era of Virginia Tech football by his decision to – talk to Baylor right so how many minutes in are we Malcolm 50 50 so we got plenty of time we usually go 70 75 minutes yeah I'm trying to keep it uh well I've got at, a at 60 o'clock oh yeah, yeah so let's see. so we, we but it's 220 so we got 10 so more we minutes got time. okay yeah. so um if you look at the history of what Virginia Tech has done with facilities since Whit Babcock was hired um and let let me go on record as saying I like me some Whit Babcock oh yeah absolutely. I like 100 percent. but his his dedication since he got here from a facility standpoint has been to uh baseball and and the olympic sports at the rector field house he spent a total of 31 million dollars there 
Um, some, and he also had to do some work to uh, uh, the softball facilities, but I think that's the indoor uh, yeah, that's part, of part that, yeah. that he attached to Rector Fieldhouse. Uh, $15 million for the Student Athlete Performance Center, which is a giant nutrition slash cafeteria center for the athletes. $5 million for the Merriman Center, the football weight room. You add all that up, and I think it comes up to f- about $50 million. Um, this has been a five- or six-year process, and football facilities have have not been improved in that time period. Um, Tech's indoor facility is great. The locker room's good. I think locker rooms are overblown, like that crazy locker room they got at LSU. Everybody oh gets gosh. a new locker room every yeah, year. You know. At one point, Tech had the biggest lockers in the country, and that was like five years ago. But, but I do think the one area, and we keep harping on the football ops, the football ops, you know what? No, I don't, I don't want to go down that path. I was about to say something. I don't want to do that. Um, what I wish had been done, looking at things in retrospect, and this is an opinion I've formed over the last five or six years watching what has happened at Virginia Tech. Um, I wish you look at all these things Witt has done, and they're all great. And, oh, by the way, I think the next thing, com- thing coming down the pike is $50 million for Castle Coliseum or a large number for Castle Coliseum. Um, I wish that all of these things had been packaged together and florida state did this i i I don't remember what they called their hundred million dollar fundraising campaign it was something like unconquerable or something baylor's doing it it's actually part of their entire school master plan And it always is yeah you know but 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 most sports fans don't know that stuff they just focus on the athletics and what they're being told about athletics so all these piecemeal plans which have been rolled out over the years I wish they'd all been as much as possible kind of grouped together and said, here's what we want to do over the next four, five, six, seven, eight years. It's going to take 100 or $150 million. Again, that gets back to what I said about that stuff being inspiring. And I've totally forgotten what the question was. Oh, will it get the ball rolling? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, see, so uh, the, the reason I bring all this up is where Virginia Tech is now has happened over the course of six to eight years. You don't fix it overnight, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So one of the things that I've been told is that, trust me, folks, the, the Board of Visitors and the leadership at Virginia Tech, President Sands and the BOV, are, are paying attention to all of this. Their head's not in the sand. And, and, yeah. they, and they do want to find a way to allocate on, a, on, a, on an athletic budget that has become tight. They want to find a way to allocate more resources for staff and operations. There isn't any talk about facilities yet. Um, that's a longer play. But to me... The facilities have to be there before you hire more staff. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Them? I'm not sure how they're going to do that. Right. You know, and and a minute ago I said I don't want to go down this verbal path. I almost said you don't really need the 50 million dollar building. Maybe you can build something in the interim where you can fit these people. Eh, no half measures. Yeah, you put a trailer, a, a, like a uh, outback, like a construction trailer. Yeah, or like like when like nah. when they're up uh, when they're that, getting ready yeah, to work on bad. the elementary school in your neighborhood, and they put four trailers out uh-huh. back in the meantime. Yeah. Um, no, no half measures. If you're no. going to do it, do it. But uh, it has brought this to light, and I think the conversation has started. So, good question. <clears throat> uh, Mark Simmons asks, "What did you think of the Bill Roth?" interview yesterday did you listen to that chris i didn't get a chance to listen and to let's it. give some oh uh, yeah i mean bill he, roth's he, interview was what what i was, I was just gonna well, say, he, bill, I, I believe bill, he had two he had the tim donnelly show yeah. which is locally in blacksburg he also had um the roth report on hardly working with greg burton in richmond bill bill that roth's, was one definite. I, I listened to part of the tim donnelly interview it was basically a shot across the bow part one 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, Bill has the exact same opinion. It seems like uh, Bill. Bill, you know, when he was at Virginia Tech, he's, he's done a lot of different things since then. He was at UCLA. Now he works for ESPN, calling games, football, basketball games, whatever. He gets to go around the country and tour all these facilities at other schools, so he sees it all firsthand. There's not that many more people qualified to know than Bill Roth. So, yeah, he says something like that, you absolutely need to believe it. Yeah, and and I, I think a lot of Virginia Tech fans are, and, and this is true of any fan base, don't get me wrong, can be a little myopic when it comes to their own school. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, uh, we see people on our message boards all the time that you can tell they don't really go anywhere else. Right. They actually don't even go anywhere else for their Virginia Tech news. Right. They don't even ask Google questions. Right. They'll come on the message board and ask a question that if you Googled it with the exact same wording, you'd get your answer right away. But they have a narrow window through which they either want to look at things or are able to look at things. Right. And so they may not have this holistic view that a guy like Bill Roth ha- uh, Correct. That has. Yeah. Even I admit that most of what I know comes from just reading articles and looking at uh, pictures and stuff. It's not like I travel around a lot and see things. Hmm. All right, Malcolm. All right. Uh, let's do uh, we got two minutes. Okay. We'll do one we'll more? one more. Or four yeah. minutes, actually. So we we, we one maybe more. squeeze in one or two. We'll squeeze in a basketball question. From All right. Thomas Ryder, will our 6-1 guard continue to be able to get double-digit rebounds? <laughs> you know, I haven't checked Ken Pomeroy ratings this week, but last week. Talking he, about Tyrese Radford. Tyrese Radford. Yeah. He was the num- number one in the country in Ken Pomeroy's offensive ratings, offensive efficiency ratings. And if you think about that, there's a 300 – there's three, yeah, I can't talk today. 353 Division One college basketball teams. Anywhere from probably 10 to 13 scholarship players on every single one of those teams. And he's number one in the entire country in Pomeroy's. That's op- roughly 4,000 players. Right. And he knows who he is, man. Um, sometimes a, you're, a person's greatest strength can be understanding their own weaknesses. And he can't shoot. He doesn't try to shoot. You know, he made a ten foot jumper the other night, but it rattled around. He's only taken like eight three pointers. He has all a high year. field goal percentage, though, right? Uh, yeah, because yeah. all his baskets are one foot away. Yeah. You know, he only shoots unless he knows he's going to make it. So he shoots like seventy five percent from the field and gets a bunch of rebounds. <laughs> um, so yeah, he knows who he is as a player, and he know, he is smart enough to not try a bunch of stuff that he knows he can't do. And, uh, and I wonder, I wonder yeah. though, if pulling off that dunk the other night has made him think, yeah, who what knows? else can I do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but it's it's good to see him grow in confidence like that, though. The better oh, you play, man. the more confident mm-hmm. you get, as long as he continues to play within himself. So that's a credit to him for knowing exactly who he is. Um, BDs make fun of him because uh, apparently he couldn't do a forearm push-up when he got to Virginia Tech. Maybe that's why he redshirted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> never, never been in a weight room. Right. Never telling that story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's a credit to him for understanding who he is, and it's also a credit to Mike Young for helping him realize that. Yeah, you know, and to helping him play within himself. Mike Young's pretty good at maximizing people's. Yeah, he uh, very he strength. sure seems to be. Yeah. I texted my buddy uh, David this the other night. I'm curious to get your thoughts quickly. Is that dunk that Tyrese Radford had? That was number seven on Sports Center top ten. That's all. Uh, is okay. that the best Virginia Tech dunk since Deron Washington against Boston College? No, um, no. What is uh, Eric Green against? Mount St. Mary's or somebody, I want to say it was around New Year's when he was a sophomore. Yeah. Went down the baseline and, and threw one down that was better than that one. Now, you could make an argument that this one was more impressive because 
Sara was a seven footer, seven footer and he played for Wake Forest and not Mount St. Mary's or whoever. But I, I remember, and granted, I saw Greens in person. I was sitting there like in the second row when he did it, and it was okay. right in front of me, and I was watching this one on TV. But Greens was awesome. It's unfortunate mm-hmm. that it was at a game nobody was at. Yeah. All right, that's a good call. The right, last thing, I'm going to leave us with a teaser because we've got more TSL podcasts to come next week. Hey, let me jump in and yeah, say one ahead. more thing. In the same way that that block on the Andre Davis punt return uh, def- sort of defines Wayne Ward, from way way back in the, the 2000 season, I, I think Tyrese Radford. Whatever happens from here on out will forever be associated with that dunk. People, we talk about that Wayne Ward block 20 years. It's 20 mm-hmm. years now, and we're still talking. Yeah, Wayne about Ward it. was only a special teams player. Yeah, and we still but talk. He's everybody the, knows he, who he's he the is. most talked about only special teams player in the history yeah, of Virginia. And, Tech and Tyrese sports. Radford is already accomplishing quite a bit with scoring and rebounding, but yeah, th- that that play and his name are linked forever. Yep. All right, two rapid fire questions to close. Cause I do want to get these in. Uh, this is what I want to uh, actually. I'll ask this one first. Do I do want to shout out Sam Rogers quickly? Uh, former Virginia Tech football player announced as the new head coach of Hanover High School's alma mater. What do you guys think? Would you guys want your kids to go play for Sam Rogers? Yeah, oh, no doubt. Uh, there, there ought to be some like former tech players living in Richmond too that ought to be lining up to be on his staff. I immediately want to know if there are any D1 prospects coming out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> they actually asked him that this morning on ESPN Richmond, and he sa- he gave a very coach answer. He goes, I'm focused on basically the community and helping these play. They were like, you want to get a pipeline going to Tech? Anyways, shout out to Sam Rogers. I think that's an excellent hire for Hanover High School, and he, I think that's going to be really cool to watch. And then lastly, this is what I'm going to really want to dive in with you guys next week on the podcast. Yes or no question. Will Virginia Tech make the NCAA tournament in men's basketball? <laughs> I mean, doesn't a fourth ACC team have to make it? That like law? I don't know. Ask Seth Greenberg. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I, that's that is the question that I'm going to lead off the podcast we with next week, and we'll, I've been we'll itching to bit, ask. We'll have a little bit more data next. We'll week. We'll have more yeah, data next week. Big game against right. Syracuse. If Tech makes the NCAA tournament this year, based on what we thought they were going to be before the season, I will personally lay the first brick on the Mike Young statue. I mean, that's, I mean, that would be, this would be the best coaching job in Virginia Tech history, one-year coaching job. Any sport? That I can think of off the top of my head. Gosh, yeah. The, the, Seth Greenberg's first job was, he did a great job his yeah, first year. Yeah. But it was 15 and 14, not, and not 13 and 4 in, in mid-January, right? Yeah, yeah you're difference. right. We're, we will have more data for next week's podcast. Tech in Syracuse noon at Castle Coliseum, and I'm sure that's probably what we're going to lead off with next week. It's sold out, so you know, go to the TSL schedules and click the StubHub link next students, to Syracuse. Students will be rolling back into town. Oh, Absolutely. I think a lot of students realize they need to come back early. Well, and, and that is there. that is one carryover from the Buzz Williams era is the enthusiasm still yeah, there. Games are selling out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Mike Young has – we thought things would take a dip. They have not. Mike Young yeah. has kept that train rolling. And, and it's Syracuse, man. Yeah. I'm a big fan, in case you couldn't tell. Big fan of beating Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that smile. Look yeah. at that, ladies and gentlemen. From three Chris out of the last four years. It's three and out of the last four games. Yeah. Three out of the last four games. And four years in the Big East, Syracuse never came to Castle Coliseum. Yeah. Because Jim Beheim didn't want to. And the Big East said, okay. Has Tech have, yeah. And that's why the Big East doesn't exist anymore, as we knew it. It's all Jim Beheim's fault. It's all Jim Beheim's fault. <laughs> we'll be talking Hokey Hoops next week. Uh, unless you guys want anything to add, that's going to wrap up uh, this no, week's edition. Thank, thank you for coming back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was actually going to close it. Thank you guys so much. They, great job. You host. You know, it's been different kind of consuming the TSL podcast and not working on 
questions, and, and so I have enjoyed listening to each and every show, but it's great to be back. Uh, you know, the thing about hosting the TSL podcast, when I did it, I just hadn't have the resources of support from the administration. <laughs> I did a good job, but it was really hard. <laughs> That's a great way to close the podcast today. We'll be back next week. We'll announce what day we're going to do it uh, on social media and the message board, so stay tuned. But uh, looking forward to talking Hokie Hoops. All right, that's going to do it for our fantastic crew here at the Tech Sideline Podcast. For our producer, Malcolm Stewart, on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our general manager and founder, Will Stewart. I'm Evan Hughes, podcast host, saying so long. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Episode 109 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by The Fisher Law Firm.